Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What You Need to Know is brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times. Less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Amanda, what do you got? Woohoo! My first What You Need to Know. All right, guys. So a, uh, a woman is suing Fireball's parent company because she discovered that some of the miniature bottles don't actually contain whiskey. Um, in the lawsuit, she argues that the branding of the Fireball miniatures is misleading. Now, the parent company makes two different kinds of Fireball. Fireball cinnamon and Fireball whiskey. Mm-hmm. The difference, according to the company, is that Fireball cinnamon is actually a malt-based beverage. The labels for both alcoholic beverages are similar in design, though. Yeah, I see the picture. It's exactly yeah. the same. So I mean, it's rude. The, the, Yeah, so basically Fireball cinnamon states that it's a malt beverage with natural whiskey and other flavors of uh, caramel, you know, stuff like that. And cinnamon, obviously. Yeah, and Fireball Cinnamon is only 16.5% alcohol by volume, um, and Fireball Whiskey is actually 33%. So she's suing because she wants the extra 17%. Well, yeah, and she's basically saying, like, (laughs) if you look, if you don't investigate the labels closely, you know, you're just going and being like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to go get some Fireball, and you grab the little bottle... And you end up with no alcohol, and basically. And the little bottles, we're talking about like those little plane yeah, bottles. Yeah, the little airplane bottles. Yeah, basically. But people use those all the time. You know, you go into any liquor store and you see them, they're sitting up by like the front, by the register where the bazooka gum used to be. Now yeah. there's Fireball. Yeah. And if you buy that Fireball and you're thinking, well, this is Fireball. That's what it is. Yeah. Then you get it and you're like, wait a second. This isn't Fireball? You're I like, thought it was Fireball. Yeah, you're like, this is Fireball cinnamon. It's Wait like Fireball light. Yeah, right. basically. It's like yeah. Diet Coke. It's right. adjacent. Yeah. yeah. Right, and yeah. they should have something on the bottle that tells you, and I think this woman's right on to sue Fireball. I'm curious to see if she actually wins this thing uh, because of the alcohol content and whatnot. It doesn't have any alcohol or not enough in her uh, her eyes. All right, that is what you need to know. Brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times. Less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. All right, so look, our next guest, Brian Windhorse, travels Windy. a ton. So. So maybe he uh, maybe he's got something on this story. So Brian, I don't know if you if you listen to what we were talking about there. So there's a lady suing Fireball, the whiskey company, because she bought some of those little mini bottles, and they didn't have any alcohol in them. They just had the cinnamon stuff in them. You travel a lot. Do you got any funny stories about somebody getting hammered on an airplane or something? <laughs> uh huh. Well, I'll just tell you that there is a very famous announcer, I won't say his name, who I happened to fly on a five-hour cross-country flight with, um, and, you know, up at the front of the plane, and um, I've never seen anybody uh, handle himself with alcohol like that, and uh, I've never been able to look at him the same, and uh, I think he's great, but it was quite the display on that plane, especially when... um, over uh, Kansas, he decided to go to the bathroom, and uh, uh, things got a little wobbly. You know, <laughs> I can't believe Ian Eagle drinks that much. i got to be honest with you. Wow. I never would have thought wow. that, that was the case. So. See, now, if this were George telling the story, I'd be grilling him right now. Tell me who. Tell me. Tell me. But, Wendy, I won't even ask who. I just want to know what. What did he do? Oh, what was he drinking? Yeah, it's a good No, question. no, what was he drinking? Oh. What was he doing? All I'll tell you is that he had two doubles before the wheels were in the air. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you that it was a red-eye flight. <laughs> okay. All right. That's a man of uh, strong conviction and certainly a uh, strong liver to boot. All right. So, Brian, nobody wants us to talk alcohol with you. Everybody wants to talk about the Lakers and the NBA at large with you. So, Lakers get Rui Hachimura. I like that deal in a silo, although he has some warts, obviously. He needs to shoot threes. He doesn't do that necessarily. He shoots well from the mid-range. He uh, isn't necessarily a great defender or a great rebounder or even a great passer for that matter, but he at least fits in a better place than for this roster than Kendrick Nunn did. So my question is, what's next? Because LeBron looks like his patient, patience is thinning here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Lakers have done just fine this year. Um, if AD hadn't gotten hurt, they would probably be a couple of spots up in the playoffs. They're, benef- they're benefited by the fact that the West overall is pretty weak. Um you know, to me, this is a, this 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 move only makes sense if there's another move. Um, 
Because what the Lakers have done here is they've now cut into their salary cap space this summer. You know, the Lakers had a lot of different options to improve the roster. And one of the options was to just let Beverly's contract expire and let Westbrook's contract expire and let Nunn's contract expire, open up a bunch of cap space and go to the market with it. And remember, just because you have cap space doesn't mean you have to sign free agents. There's a lot of different ways you can use it. And so now when you trade for a player who's a restricted free agent to be, that's really a free agent move. You know, they traded for Rui with the intention to now sign him to a new contract. So you are now operating through the Lakers as if you're not going to be obsessed with cap space this summer, which, by the way, is fine. That's, that's, there's no problem with that. So the question is, what do they now do with the, the guys they have on expiring contracts? Are they going to look to continue that, that progress? And so I would look squarely at Beverly because if you look at the way the roster is balanced now, They've got some, some big men, and especially I think, you know, my guess is that their intention is to eventually start Rui, LeBron, and AD and bring uh, Brian, Brian off, uh, uh, off the bench, and then also you have Wenyan Gabriel. So that would kind of be their five-man big rotation. So I think they've got to – I think right now they're probably looking to upgrade the guard position, specifically um, Beverly. So – is there a deal out there that they can flop Beverly for probably taking on money? The, what you would basically be giving if you were the Lakers would be the willingness to take on money for another team that would be looking to get off of a player. Instantly you start thinking about a guy like Mike Conley, although I want to be clear, I haven't heard that. But that's the type of move that you'd be looking for, although I don't think Utah is necessarily – actually, I don't think you can do that trade because they were already – um, he, he was already on the Jazz this year. But, um, you know, that type of move where you're taking on a player uh, who has money on his contract after this year, obviously what everybody wants to know is, well, what, what superstar are they going to get in the next 10 days with those two first-round picks? I don't see that trade there right now, but I'm also going to tell you that this year especially we have a lot of teams waiting until the end because all the teams are are, uh, are bunched together. So I absolutely think the Lakers are going to try to go down this path of, of spending you know the cap space that they were going to have. I just don't know whether the player that they want is going to necessarily become available between now and February 9th. Okay, so Wendy, with all that being said, let's say that what Rob Palinka said earlier this week is they're about championships, and if they can make a move to help them get a championship, they will, but if they can't, they won't. So what if they can't and they don't? George asked about LeBron's patience. Can LeBron deal with that? What do you think? You know. Well, first off, first, first off that, that quote from Rob, I mean, I know he's kind of said that before, but it, it kind of made folks in the league laugh because they were like, oh, the Lakers want to only trade their assets for a guy who can lead to a championship. None of, nobody, nobody else wants to do that. That's revolutionary thinking. Boy, you, you only want to trade for a guy that can get you a championship. That's awesome. That's, that's a whole new idea. Of course that's the way they're going to operate. Um, as for LeBron, you know, quite frankly, when he signed the extension, I don't want to hear about patience. He knew exactly what he was doing. He basically was saying to the Lakers, you don't have to worry about me not re-signing. I'm totally bought in. Don't worry about me. We'll talk again and see where I am physically in 2020." Uh, uh, four and so the Lakers really I mean yeah they don't want to they want to try to win every year that's their goal but like what's LeBron going to do about it <laughs> he's already you know when he signed that contract he gave the Lakers the gift of time and so they're they're going to use it and um, so I you know I I understand LeBron's frustrated but frankly I think this Laker team has achieved the best it could I mean if you looked at this roster at the start of the season and legitimately thought they were a top four team. I would have not agreed with you. I, just, I would have thought that they right, are right where they probably should be. Um, they're bailed out a little bit because the West is weaker, but considering the amount of games that AD and LeBron have missed, their record is about where it should be. I think the team has achieved where it would have achieved, and LeBron knew that and still signed the contract. Brian Windhorst with us here, ESPN NBA wow. Insider. Uh, why did you wow there? I'm just That's curious. good stuff right there, Wendy. You're the first person that I've heard say, what's he going to do? Nothing. He already signed. He's, he, he gave them the benefit of time. And you know what? The time may not be this year, but they may fix it in the offseason, and it might be the year after or the year after. He gave them time. Well, let me ask I, mean, I would just say that but if you look at LeBron's career, he's, he's repeatedly, not every year, but he's repeatedly maxed out 
team's ability has been. And that hasn't always happened in L.A., but if this team makes it to the playoffs, that may be a good LeBron year. That may be maxing what this team could do. And uh, I know that that's not the reality of the world of the Lakers. In, in the world of the Lakers, it's ring or bust. But if you look at this team and say that this is a championship-level team, I can't really have a conversation with you. I can't really help you. If this team making into the playoff field would be really good. It's probably a team that is a play-in team. So if they achieve more than the play-in, gold star season. I know that that's not the way Lakers fans see it, but that's the, that's the truth. My guess is, and, and I, look, I look at it, if I were him, I'm guessing he signed that thinking that there would be more, but you're saying basically, well, that's on you for thinking there would be more. Yeah, I mean, that's the way he's, he's operating with the Lakers is not the way he's operated for the whole second half of his career. He held the Heat's feet to the fire, and he held the Cavs' feet to the fire. And he got to L.A., and he immediately gave the Lakers nothing but, but slack. And, look, he's been a little injured, so it hasn't quite been the same for him. But he's, he's given the Lakers <clears throat> way more um, um, grace and slack than he gave the Heat or the Cavs the second time around. So um, I was surprised when he signed the extension. I really was. And uh, I know, obviously, there was some sort of understanding – between him and the organization, that they would trade those picks, that they would do right by him because he's doing right by them. He really, he really, just think of the different conversation, the discourse we would be having this year if LeBron hadn't signed that extension. Oh my God. It would be a completely just <laughs> a different situation. And the thing is, is that LeBron, he's obviously switched teams in free agency a number of times. He's never not played all the way to the finish line. You can yeah. say a lot of things about LeBron. He has always kept his foot on the gas all the way to the end. Last year in Cleveland, he played 82 games. Okay? So, um, you know, the, he, 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 I don't think it would have affected the way he would have played. But him doing that completely removed the pressure from the organization. And I think Rob Polinka is going to take advantage of that and wait for what he thinks is a good opportunity, and it just hasn't come across his, his plate yet. I don't, I don't think anything there is, is an unfair way of looking at it. Brian Windhorst with us here. All right, so let me ask you one more about the Lakers, and then I want to get a couple quick questions in on the Clippers and the Warriors. This Brian Windhorst, by the way, George, is a smart guy we're talking to. I mean, I knew yeah, that going yeah. in, and yeah, every time we yeah. talked to him, but yeah. now today he's exceptional. Oh, as opposed to the other days he's not no, exceptional? Just, I'm just saying today he's outstanding. Yeah, okay. Nice uh, job right. so far, Wendy. Yeah, okay. Now, I'm sure he feels really great that you're telling him that, uh, that, that he's done a nice job. I'm sure that, that will so. change his whole entire day. I, and his sure, I hope so. All right, so, so Brian, um, what do we make? Let me, I'm just going to ask you about other teams and how you think that could relate to the Lakers, okay? Chicago, could they take advantage of that situation with their two picks? I don't think Chicago is, uh, is tearing down. I don't think for a number of reasons that I won't go into in a short interview, I don't think that the, the pump is primed there okay. um, just for the nature of their ownership. I, I do think the team to watch if you're a Lakers fan is Toronto. Toronto started, I believe it's a seven-game West Coast trip last night. They won um, in, in SAC. It was a really good win for them, actually. Uh, that, this road trip will be very defining for the Raptors. Right now they're, I think, in the 11th or 12th. Uh, they can get their clock cleaned on this trip. Um, if they go one and five, or, or you know two and five, or one and six on this trip, and they come back right before the trade deadline, and they're looking at you know being way back in a draft that's relatively deep, they could they could hit reverse. Um, and then I think if you're the Lakers, you're interested. By the way, it wouldn't be just be the Lakers. There'd be a lot of teams. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, because they'd have a lot of players. Oh, by the way, yeah, right. They just had a really good win. Maybe this is a pivotal trade. Maybe they go. Uh, five and two on this trip, or four and three. Yeah. And by the way, they've got all these other assets. They could get home and decide to buy. So I think that the biggest team in the league right now for where this deadline could go and who could be available is Toronto. And it's pretty clear that they're going to make decisions after this road trip. Yeah. So I mean, look, OG Ananobi is a name, obviously, that's been thrown out there a ton. Fred Van Vliet, those type of guys. So um, do you do you see anything beyond those guys potentially being on the table? Um, I don't necessarily know if they're going to make OG Ananobi available. I know that's the guy that a lot of people want. Yeah. Uh, I do think Fred Van Bleed is a guy I would put on a watch list, and also Gary Trent okay. Jr. I would put on a watch list. Okay. But you know, it's not a very deep, it's not a very big uh, sell. It's a, it's a 
it's a seller's market right now. There's not a lot of like significant names that are available for trade. And I, um, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go finish up real quick because I just have one more. I, I would just say that one of the reasons why the Raptors coming onto the market would be interesting because there would be a couple more starter quality players possibly. There's just not that many starter quality players today. Could be a different story in 10 days, but today. Gotcha. All right, lastly, Clippers and Warriors, what should they be looking at during the deadline or for the deadline? I think the uh, Warriors are probably going to make a move, but their move is going to be to offload a player because they want to put Anthony Lamb on a real contract. He's running out of games, and he's been good for them. I know that that's not the kind of sexy move that you look for from a contender, but that may be an effective move for them because right now he couldn't play in the playoffs, and he's a rotation player for them. So I think they could they could trade away a player. I would be paying attention to Jermichael Green. Um, and for the Clippers, they need a guard, <laughs> I think. So uh, I think – I mean, they also need a backup center. But I think, uh, you know, in the playoffs, I think Zubac is going to get heavy minutes anyway. I don't know if there's going to be many minutes, but there would be an insurance policy. But I think they're in the market for – a point guard. So if Fred Van Vliet becomes available, keep an eye there. Um, mm. You know, Michael Conley, uh, Mike Conley for sure. Keep an eye there if the Jazz do something there. Any starter quality point guard, I think the Clippers are interested. And they have assets and they don't care about spending money. So, um, you know, there's uh, a couple of different options they could go there. I, I would expect the Clippers to be one of the more aggressive teams. Wendy, you're the man. Thank you for taking the time, nice. and uh, I'm sure Good you'll appearance. go into into this day, uh, you know, Solid. feeling great, changing your whole life uh, yeah. outlook today because no. Scott thinks you did a great Dude, job. Today. Outstanding, Wendy. I mean, outstanding perspective I'm sure and opinions. There will be people who disagree with me, and I will face consequences. But well, we'll I appreciate you saying that. We will be. We'll be you and me standing side by side, pal. <laughs> okay. All right, Brian. Thank you, buddy. Take care, guys. Appreciate it. There he is, Brian Windhorst with us here. All right, coming up next, a prominent NFL figure says, Dak Prescott, who? I take him over Brock Purdy. We'll talk about that next. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Is that you, Cappy? Do you blame it on the alcohol? Well, you know, I've been pretty dry the whole month. Not not 100% dry, but pretty dry. Yeah, you broke that. You texted us you broke it the other day. You I broke did. dry January. I did. I even had a beer last night. You have no discipline, Laura said in my ear, which is true. No, I could have kept going. I just wasn't, it wasn't like a conscious decision, like I'm going to be dry the entire month of January. It just happened like the first three weeks, so how, I was kind of bragging about how it. How many times in September did you start up a diet? Couple. Yeah. No discipline. Well, discipline is a state of mind where when you need to be disciplined, you mm. choose to be. Yeah. And I just haven't felt the need. I've felt some desire. Like when I look in the mirror, I'm like, you're fat, you know, and I, you need to lose weight. You need to watch your diet. And then what I do is I increase my exercise, but I don't watch my diet. I mean, you know how many last night in the suite, George, that you refused to come to last night? Yeah. At the end of the night, I was eating like tortillas with chicken fingers in them. Yeah. I mean, that's not smart. No. No. Probably not. I just want to say one thing about Brian Windhorst, who was just on I the mean, air. you were, like, fawning over him. Well, he speaks sense, the guy. You know, I mean, I think everybody got to understand. You know, we hear this phrase all the time. If you're in the LeBron business, you're in it to win it right now. What Brian Windhorst said was, not really. No, because LeBron gave the Lakers a little bit of a reprieve. Like, hey, guys, I'm signed. I'll be here. You know when my career's likely to end. So we got between now and then to fix this whole mess. And it may not happen this year. It may happen in the offseason. Let me ask you a question. 
go ahead. Do you believe that LeBron James, who has Brian Rindhorst illustrated there, throughout the second half of his entire career, has basically held every team um, to the fire? And and also, by the way, um, did not do that with the Lakers, certainly initially. Do you believe that he signed that without having any assurances that they would go out and make the moves necessary to help make this team better, especially considering the way things spiraled out of control last year. Do you honestly, in your heart of hearts, believe that that's the case? Not sure I believe it, but I'm also sure of this. I'm not sure that LeBron believes that the Lakers have the right people in place to do for him what he wants done. What do you mean by that? What I mean is I'm not so sure that LeBron is like, look, I'm signing, and then I'm staying out of it. I'm playing ball. You guys figure out the roster. You guys figure out who to trade, who to move, who to acquire. I don't do that. You do that. Okay? So I'll just be over here because I'm already signed for the next two years, and I have total well, faith and right. trust that you guys are going to get it right. Right. I'm going to sign this because I feel like you guys are going to do right by me. And now he's probably feeling like they're not doing what he thought they were going to do. Well, but there's still two years on the deal. And right. That's what, and by that's the way, when I, when I brought that up, Windhorse didn't deny that part of the equation. You know, George. I so you have selective something. hearing. I feel like too. No, I, I just, I just know that that Brian Winhor said some stuff today that hasn't that I haven't heard people talk about. Really? And, and yeah. I mean, yeah. you did say Ramona said that same thing on our show like a month ago. I guess I wasn't listening that day. Well, again, selective hearing, or perhaps I forgot since then. I mean, all that could be possible too, but mostly selective hearing. Well, I want to tell you something, George, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to set you straight on something. Go right ahead, now. set me straight. You know, you told me earlier in the week that I was never going to be invited on the lockdown podcast that you have, right? I mean, I didn't say never. I said probably not a good chance. Well, you know, listen. I'm not an absolutist, as you know. I do. But yeah. I will tell you right now, I'm right there. I'm in the fray. You know, Brian Windhorst is on. I'm in it. Well, you so, know, I, mean, we're I feel probably like gonna, I just was on the lockdown podcast. We're, we're, I should I should be on this thing. I mean, we're probably going to invite Trudell first. You know. Okay. I mean, he and I have had pomegranate mimosas on the beach before with the, the, the families. Sounds romantic. You know. It was in the morning, so it wasn't that romantic, but I mean, it could be. Still sounds nice. Okay. Um, let me see. Who else could I get on? Uh, I mean, Ireland, right? I mean, Ireland belongs, but all I'm saying to you is is that- Michael? Don't discount my game. I'm in the, I'm in there. I mean, I was just what if on I had the lockdown Mason, podcast. What if I had- Well, Sliwa for sure is also, he's like, uh, you know, as Lindsay says, he's like three quarters in the league, mm-hmm. you know? What about Mason? If I had Mason on before you, would you, would you, would that, would you object? I wouldn't object just as long as I get my shot. That's hmm. all. I mean, listen, if you if you just listen up, you and I chat with Brian Winhurst. Yeah. Horse. I'm, I'm on it. Well, or B, as some people call him. B? Yeah. Hey, B. Hey, Are we'll, you we'll jealous, be, S? Yeah. We'll be right back with more of B. Winhurst. Yeah. Anyway, I feel like I was on the lockdown podcast. I should be on that podcast <laughs> on occasion. Okay. Special guest. Okay. Well, you know what else we should do? We should probably try to get Peter King on because he was on 95.7 The Game earlier, and you and I were talking um, a lot over the last couple of weeks about Brock Purdy and how he's pretty good and how, you know, I've said, this kid could be the next Tom Brady, could be the new Tom Brady moving forward. And now, while Peter didn't discuss that necessarily, and we know there's a lot of Niner fans here, as we've seen um, when they come here, Peter King took a bat to this notion that Dak Prescott is a good quarterback, um, in my estimation, in the sense of like the type of guy that can elevate people and take you over the top at this stage of his career based on his skill set and his contract. So he was on 95-7 the game and straight up said that he'd take the kid over Dak. If I were to start a franchise right now, I'd rather have Mark Purdy be my quarterback than Dak Prescott. That sounds totally, absolutely insane, but that's the way I feel. Okay, can't blame him for that. Yeah. I don't blame him one bit. Look, Dak Prescott is just like, you ready for this? Kirk Cousins. Well, I was going to say more like Tony Romo. Okay, yeah, that's good too. I mean, he's a guy that puts up numbers. Yeah. And he's a guy that hasn't really gotten you where you thought he could maybe get you. Now, and by the way, then once you started paying him, then you really got screwed because he no longer has Amari Cooper and all these other weapons around him. He's got CeeDee Lamb, he's got a decent tight end, and he's got a couple of running backs, one who may look like he may be over the hill at this point. 
Well, if you're speaking of Zeke Elliott, yeah, he's over the hill because Tony Pollard kind of really took over. And when Pollard got hurt in this most recent game, I mean, they had no running game with Ezekiel Elliott, and they paid him all that money. Right. The thing about Dak Prescott, and I never understood it, was when he was severely injured with a broken ankle and he missed the remainder of that season, that's when he got his big money contract. They didn't give him like a one-year deal and say, hey, show us that you're going to be able to stay healthy. They gave him a big money deal and he's been making like 40-something million dollars over the last couple of years. Right. And we talked about Derek Carr. How could the Raiders possibly get out from underneath this contract? The Cowboys, unless they come up with some sort of a less sneed kind of trade, they're stuck with Dak Prescott. Yes, pretty much. Stuck. Yeah. Yeah, they're in trouble. I mean, the reality is this, is that you're paying him, you know, $40 million or whatever the hell you're paying him. And you're you, not only are you stuck... But he doesn't elevate talent around him. If you're going to make the decision to pay a guy $40 million or whatever it is that's going to cost to pay the quarterback, that person better be the guy making other people better, not being propped up by other people. I'll tell you this about Brock Purdy. I mean, you can go back to this past weekend's game between San Francisco and Dallas, and you can look at the stats, and you can say, well, you know, he didn't have any touchdown passes. True. But he also didn't have any interceptions. And he got lucky with one that was dropped, and he also got lucky at the end of the first half where he threw the ball out of bounds and the clock just barely had a, a second on it. But the thing that kid doesn't do, and I don't know if it's because he was a four-year starter at Iowa State. He doesn't make mistakes. He, he just doesn't do the things that rookies do when they're trying to make plays, which is when they turn the ball over, and he doesn't do that. Yeah. He manages the game really well. And by the way, he could sling it in college. You know, and by the way, he slung it more than Jimmy Garoppolo has. They've pushed the ball down the field. He has more passes 20 yards in the air than Garoppolo has. He's had that in like seven games or whatever he's played. More than Garoppolo has in, in, in his entire career. The 49ers, as they get ready for this NFC Championship game this weekend, and shout out because you know we're going to be at Yamava this weekend. I'll talk yeah, more about you later. and Mason. Yeah, this is going to be an unbelievable weekend. Yeah. Seriously, Mason is bringing Juan. I'm bringing ra 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 Rachel. Right. We got we got dinner planned. We got a show planned. Yeah. We got poker planned. I mean, it's going to be great. And then we got games all day on Sunday. So I hope everybody comes out. And again, like I said, I'll talk about it more later. But yeah, um, dude, when you go back and you look at that game, uh, Brock Purdy's a guy that doesn't make mistakes, and the 49ers are an organization that has gotten insanely lucky. You may tell me, no, 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 John Lynch is a great talent evaluator and he's got a great scouting No, you got to get lucky in the seventh round, bro. Come, Come on, on, dude. Yeah. The seventh round pick who's yeah. Mr. Irrelevant is the third string quarterback and has gone unbeaten in his short career so far? That's pure luck. Yeah, but you know what? Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Well, and, I can and sit listen. here and name a bunch of moments in his, in sports history where people got lucky in a game with a pick, the the Patriots and Brady, you know, a lot of stuff. But Cappy, yeah. you mentioned Yamava already. Yeah, give the people the lowdown about Yamava one more time before we do Radio Tinder. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. 
Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Whoa, thanks, Christopher. How's that feel? Um... You know, I, I really would have preferred if he didn't give out my Twitter handle. Really? Yeah. You know, I don't need that. You don't need these guys all over you like that. No, I just, you know, I don't really say much. I don't have much to say. I'm not that interesting. Although I did love the Dukes of Hazard, and Cappy, you should be wearing those Daisy Dukes more often. Dude, I used to rock Is there, those okay, things. Okay, so there's a photo of Cappy and Daisy I mean, Dukes? Are you surprised there's a photo of Cappy doing no, anything? No, but I... I I'm afraid to see that. Yeah, I'd like to see it myself. I don't know which one he's talking about. I'd like to see it. (laughs) All right. You guys ready? Yep. Let's do it. All right. So Laura's going to help me out here too. So, um, all right. First one. So um, I'm not sure if you guys saw this or not, but a hilarious viral moment happened during a men's college basketball game last night Yeah. Mm -hmm. between Loyola, Chicago, and Duquesne. And early in the second half, a food delivery man wandered onto the court looking around for the the person he was supposed to drop the food off to. Right. Um, the video was widely distributed around the internet, even ended up on ESPN. Only problem, it appears it was not authentic. It right. was a prank. Yeah, right. I saw that. Right. So knowing that it's what knowing that it was a prank, was it a good prank? Swipe right, swipe left. Uh, I'm going to swipe right because everybody in the world was talking about it. So clearly, the prank worked in that scenario. Cappy, I'm going to swipe right and say it's a good prank, but I'm going to go old man on you for a second. That guy right there, he lucky nobody got hurt, including himself. That guy is on the floor. There is a Division One men's college basketball game going on. The action wasn't down at the other end. He's on the floor in the corner with a referee and two ball players right by him. Now, very cute, very good prank for your YouTube channel, my man. Get off the floor. Get off my lawn. I know I sound like the old guy here, but come on, man. Mm. I mean, you are kind on. of the old guy, too. Though. Game going on here. Yeah, you know. All right. Yeah. Going to the next one. So working in this business, I feel like we're all very creative people or, you know, creative adjacent. But a woman takes the cake. She landed a job after her resume cake goes viral on LinkedIn. I don't know if you guys saw that. That cake looks amazing. I won't have you guys swipe left or right, but I do want to know what's the most creative way you've given your resume out. And I'll start with Cappy. Hmm. So I, um, I can't say that I have a particularly uh, creative way that I've given my resume out, but I know that I've received a resume one time mm-hmm. from a young guy who uh, once was listening on the radio and he was hearing us talk about headphones and how my partner's head was too big and he couldn't wear headphones. And my man showed up at the radio station with a brand new pair of Beats and he was looking for a job and uh, worked out brilliantly for him. That was pretty smart. That was pretty aggressive. And it was cost his parents a lot of money. Um, I'll tell you this. I mean, I haven't. It's not necessarily my resume, but Amanda can ap- uh, appreciate this because she also worked in Bristol for a while. So when I was in Bristol, I had like a friend of mine just tell me like, like you know, I was like, there were things I wanted to do, right? Like get in the NBA, um, mm-hmm. like group. And he's like, dude, just go knock on the guy's door. Like, go, just walk over there. He's probably in his office. And I did. And I walked in and we sat down for like half an hour and we chit chatted. And he's like, he's like, okay, well, it's good to know. If I, you know, if something happens, I'll let you know. And I didn't hear from him from like maybe another year, I want to say. And um, and then he was like, hey, we got a game for you. So nice. you know, it wasn't a resume per se, but it's kind of the same thing. But you've heard like the story about Kenny Maine, who was. Oh yeah, he wrote the letter to to Walsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he writes this letter to the top executive at ESPN, and he says, "Hey, um, yeah. you know, check this box, kind of like a love letter when you're in sixth grade. Will you go out with me? Click yes or click no." And he sent a letter to ESPN saying, "Hey, I want to work for you guys." And there's three options: come to work for us, uh, go back to work building garbage cans, or maybe. And he just. It was great. It was a great creative way to get into ESPN. Yeah, the Kenny Main story is great. And there's probably a million of those stories, I'm sure. But um, yeah, but I, that's the closest thing I've come to something like that. It's just literally just walked into the door of the guy who ran NBA and just say, hey, I'm here. Bust the door down, George. Don't take no for an answer, my man. Well, I took, I mean, I took a maybe for an answer for like a sure. year. You know, Maybe's so good. Maybe's Did you guys hear good. Mason's? No, I didn't. He uh, put his demo inside a donut box and sent it to Rick Dees. Yes, I do remember oh, hearing funny. him mm-hmm. tell us that story. That's right. 
Rick D's. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> Amanda, do you have one? Um, no, but mine is kind of similar to Sedona, where I just basically went to the person's office and I was like, hey, I want to do this. I need to take notes. See, let that be a lesson, young people. Like, you just bust down doors. You don't take young. no for an answer. You find creative ways to work your way in. But this is my advice to people, too, right? Like, and even people who are wanting to move up in their current situations is you can't sit around and wait for the people above you, like a manager like me, to come to you and ask, like, hey, what do you want to do? Hey, how are you doing? Like, I always went after it, right? You got to take charge of your life. You need to be responsible. Go after what you want. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. Mic drop. The boss, True. Amanda Brown, in the house. All right, what's next? Do we have another one? All right, yes. So the AP Stylebook Twitter account is going after The Ohio State University. Uh-oh. They fired off a tweet about the dehumanizing use of the word the. Right. The AP Stylebook recommends writers avoid using the labels. It said They said, we recommend avoiding general and often dehumanizing the labels such as the poor, the mentally ill, the French, the disabled, and they're basically lumping in the Ohio State University in right. there with this. Yeah, it is obnoxious, by the way, the Ohio State University. So, Ohio State University should stop using the or the in their names. Well, they right, never will left. do that. Yeah, I mean, they should. I swipe right. I mean, you it's know. It's so annoying. But it is obnoxious. Just the most obnoxious thing ever. I'm going to swipe left, though, and say they shouldn't stop using it because it's their brand. You know, like if they, if they were just Ohio State. They just be Ohio State, but everybody knows them as the yeah, Ohio but, State. Actually, nobody actually outside of there calls How about them. The that. U. Yeah. Oh, um, the U. But that's a nickname. Yeah. That's not like the university's actual name. Yeah. You know, so I think that's a little different. Like the uni- they they go by the University of Miami. They sell merch of a brand, the U, as a nickname, but that's that's not the same thing. I so, wish it it's like S C, right? You yes. Can, yeah, SC is a nickname. It's not SC. It's not. It's, it's not yeah. just Southern California. It's yeah. the University of Southern California. Yeah. It's USC. So. All right, you guys want another one? Yeah, let's go. We got one more. Okay. Time for one more at least. Um. All right. Uh, ben Bolcher, the LA Times, ranked his classiest Pac-12 fans. Oh. So Stanford was number one. Of course. But the- he put that it's simply because they aren't. There aren't enough fans. Right. Right. It's just like a couple of crazy students there in the tree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, UCLA was ranked sixth. Wow. And USC was eighth. Oh. You agree with Ben that UCLA fans are classier than USC fans. Swipe right or swipe <laughs> Ooh, left? Classier is an interesting word. Uh, Watch it. <laughs> oh, I got an immediate answer for this one. Go ahead, Cappy. Then you can go for Total it. disagree. Yeah, huh? I'm, I'm going USC fans are classier than oh, UCLA okay. fans. And I'll just give you my data point, Laura. You ready? I think we just need a name. I don't think we need a data point. I think we need a name as to, I mean, we know why. Yeah, that's it. I'll just give you two words. Mike Bone. <laughs> you know? And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this. You ready? Um, I haven't gone to the athletic director's uh, pregame spread at, uh, at, U- at a UCLA game, but I can tell you right now, I think they bring in like, like stone crabs from Miami in the pregame. At USC. Classy. Very, very classy USC. I mean, Martin Jarman also my guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I like Boney. I like Martin Jarman. Um, I think, I actually think both being a little low. I'm curious, does it say who's in between Stanford and and UCLA and and all them or no? Do you have that list or no? I had that list. It's okay. If you don't, it's fine. Past tense. Had it. Had it. it. Exactly. I only, I only put the important. Um, ones I also in feel there, like that—that you know? that is pretty low. Like that's near the bottom half. But the you know, half, can you guys can you guys guess who, guess who was at the very bottom in the Pac-12? Ooh, if I had to guess, hold on, let me. I actually thought this was an easy one from my perspective. I'll tell you who I think. You ready? Go for it, Cappy. Go. Washington State. No, they got no class. They were actually. Up oh, it's got to be one of the Arizona schools. Exactly, yeah. Arizona. <laughs> Arizona was last, and then I believe Oregon was above them. Yeah, and then Arizona really? State. I think Oregon fans are nice. No, here's the thing. Mm. Okay. My is not classic. No, I dated a guy that went to Oregon and he was obnoxious. Really? Yes. He called I, it let me the tell you, Oregon University. Uh, their games <laughs> the are... The Oregon Ducks. Their yeah. games are fun to go to. I believe that. I went there this past year against that game against Utah. I called that game and it was like so much fun. Like they, those people get into it, man. It's crazy. Now it's a smaller stadium than USC, but, and, and obviously the Rose Bowl too, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, 
I feel talking class here, George. No, but I just feel like they're both ranked low. Like just to be in the bottom half, that's what I would take umbrage with more than anything else. I would like to know what the qualifications were for uh, Colorado was low too. How this person decided who's classiest? I was like, they're all high, right? Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I just want to know what the qualifications were. That's all. I just want to know. No, it was it was his. It was Ben Bolch's personal opinion as someone who travels travels in the Pac-12. Yeah. You know, right, and ben, travels to you. each of the each of the each of the venues for all the games and interacts with all the fans. So, so send your vitriol to Ben Bolch. Yeah, so the tweet LA Times. Ben Bolch at the yes. LA Times. Yeah. yeah, Laura, don't get mad at me. Yeah. All right, coming up next, let's talk a little baseball, Cappy. Our boy Blake Harris is going to stop by. Uh, we want to talk to him about kind of the Dodgers. So the biggest question to me is their infield. We'll get into some of that uh, and take a look at the NL West. Right, look at the NL West. Look at who the potential. Hurdles could be in the Dodgers' way because pitchers and catchers are reporting in less than a month. It's like three weeks from now. It's crazy. So we'll get to... to um, <laughs> Balake? Balake, yeah, in a second. Not Sorry. Ben Bolch? No, not Ben Bolch. I was trying to find my Tequila Mandala read, of course, because Radio Tinder is presented by Tequila Mandala. Always swipe right with Tequila Mandala. Award-winning small batch premium sipping tequila made from the finest mature agaves. Available everywhere fine tequilas are sold. Visit their website, tequilamandala.com, and demand the extraordinary with Tequila Mandala. All right, Blake Harris joins us in two minutes. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Yeah, the other Wham guy. It's a great song, by the way. Andrew Ridgely. What did he do? I mean, he was the other guy in Wham. I know, but what did he do? Did he play guitar? Did he sing backup vocals? Did he did he play bass? That's a great question. Don't really know what he did. I do not know either. I he mean, was a like handsome you, man too, though. I mean, when you look at Hall and Oates, you know that Daryl Hall can sing his ass off. But John Oates, he played guitar. He was the leader of the band. Good backup vocalist. You know, don't really know what Andrew originally brought to the to the table. He was one of the songwriters for Wham. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Play an instrument? <clears throat> I don't believe either of them played instruments uh, on Wham, if I yeah. recall correctly. Well, George Michael didn't need to because he could sing and dance. Right. So there you go. You wake me up before you go-go. I do. I do. I do do that. There's no doubt. Now let's bring on Blake Harris. Balake. Blake Harris, how are you, sir? Doing fantastic. That was a, that was a great song. To kind of uh, segue into this, you you can never go wrong with that jam. Well, especially because yeah. we're trying to wake people up. The baseball season is starting soon. So let me ask you this. With pitchers and catchers reporting in just a couple of weeks now, which is kind of crazy to say, the Dodgers infield has been a point of contention, right? A lot of conversations on talk radio, blogs like yours, your Substack, which you should subscribe to if you're listening right now, Blake Harris, Substack, and of course the podcast Inside the Ravine. So... The Dodgers infield looks like what to start the season? That is a fantastic question, George, and I don't think we're going to have our answer until the very first game of the season. At this point, the only guarantee is Freddie Freeman at first base. The rest, I think, is pretty much up for grabs, and it could look however you want it to on any given basis. If I were to guess, probably it's going to look like Max Muncie at second base. Gavin looks at shortstop with Miguel Vargas at third base, but with how many different guys they can rotate in, Miguel Rojas, Chris Taylor, uh, Michael Bush, if he cracks the opening day roster, there are a number of variations. So that's my guess as of right now, but 
spring training is going to be definitely interesting to follow because a lot of guys are going to be fighting for uh, playing time. But this is like the first year, though, and I know we're still you know several weeks away, where you are in late January and you don't know what the Dodgers really are. I mean, there's there's three question marks on the infield. So, Blake, as you're looking ahead, because I know there's a lot of charts coming out now and Baseball America's top 100 prospects. I mean, there's all these things in advance of the season. How do you handicap the NL West going into it? This is going to be the best that the NL West has been in quite some time. I know about a week or two ago, I kind of talked about the D-backs being a potential threat. And, you know, their team, I think, can be a wild card team. I think they're going to be right in the hunt. Obviously, the Padres, they're going to be competing for the division. I think it's going to go neck and neck all the way down to the final week of the season, barring anything drastic changing. So the Dodgers are going to have their work cut out for them. And I do think the Giants are going to be a little better than they were last season. So it's going to be a really competitive division. And you guys need to remember as well, it's different this year in baseball. We're not playing teams in our own division 19 times anymore i think they're only playing each other 12 or 13 games so these division games are going to be a lot more valuable when the two teams face so uh the dodgers have a lot of work cut out i give them the slight edge to win the division but it's not going to be as easy as it's been in years past all right how big a threat are cappy's padres like 10 being like oh my <laughs> god we should be completely terrified one being like no not at all like we're good um where are you on that I'll probably give them about an eight oh. just because, you know, I'm not, not going to say a 10, but I definitely think the Padres beating the Dodgers in the postseason kind of woke them up and said, you know what, we can take these guys, we can win the division because up until that point, the Dodgers were just dominating them and it didn't matter how good the Padres were. It was going to be a sweep every time. But the fact that the Padres were able to eliminate, you know, the Dragon, knock him out from the castle, I, I think that's going to light a fire underneath that team. So, and I'm not going to say a full-on 10, but like I talked about, I, I think that this is going to be a dog race for the uh, first-place title for the NL West. And I think the Padres, they can win 100 games this year. I wouldn't be surprised. So uh, that, that's going to be a tough, tough task for the Dodgers this year. Wow, Cappy, 100 games, Balake says. That's a lot of you behind home plate singing, Blink-182. That's, uh, that's, that's a lot of games to win. and um, But, I mean, listen, it, it's not really out of the question. I, I, I guess – I think, Blake, you're right that the Dodgers owned the Padres for so long that the Padres finally beating them and beating them in the postseason could could change a uh, an organization's trajectory and mentality. Like, there's belief now, whereas before, there really wasn't. Then they scored that win, and boy, it, it did change a lot for the Padre organization. I mean, I think it changed the way people look at them, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree what the Padres did. They kind of showed, you know, they're no longer the little brother. They need to be taken seriously. And you're taking a Padres team that was in the NLCS last year, and you're adding Xander Bogarts, and you're going to be adding Fernando Tatis Jr. So that lineup gets even better. I think they're pitching. I have a few concerns in regards to their starting and their relievers. But when you got that one through nine, especially that one through five or so, it's probably the best one through five in all of baseball. So, it's going to be a fun a fun matchup this year when the Dodgers and Padres square off. Blake Harris, our Dodger insider here on the Sedano and Cap show and MLB expert. All right, Scott Rowland to the Hall of Fame. Is he a Hall of Famer? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I believe that the Hall of Fame is like, if I have to think about you being a Hall of Famer, in my opinion, you're not a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? And like, I looked at, I had to like look up Scott Rowland's numbers and I guess they're comparable, but how do you feel about all of that? I, I agree, George. With the Hall of Fame, when you hear a guy's certain names, it should be immediately he's a Hall of Famer. And if you have to think about it, he likely isn't. I, I'm at this. I'm at the point now where all these guys that are on the Hall of Fame ballots, they're the guys that were ending their careers right when I was starting to get into baseball. I guess it just goes to show how young I truly am. But uh, I saw Scott Rowland you know, the last few years of his career, so I didn't get to see his entire career as a whole. But I was diving into his numbers a little, and if over the course of a 20-year career. You finish top 10 in MVP voting only once. Yep. Uh, I don't know how necessarily you make that. Defensively, he's one of the best third baseman yes, of all time. no doubt. But if he was never a consensus top 10 player in the National League at any point in his, in his career aside from one year, uh, it seems kind of crazy that that's uh, Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah, but you know, 20 years is an amazing career. I didn't know he played that long, but I will just say one thing about the Hall of Fame in baseball. He's a compiler, could, though. Could, but could it, could it be less sexy? 
Like the Baseball Hall of Fame, it it's flies under the radar. Nobody talks about it. There isn't like a big ceremony happening. They usually, sometimes they don't even elect somebody to the Hall of Fame. And guys like Barry Bonds and, uh, you know, Roger Clemens, they're not getting in. But Scott Rowland, who most of us are like, Scott Rowland? Was Cardinals or Phillies? Like, where, where do I know him? Like, I honestly, like to me, he's not a superstar. I was surprised also this week. Yeah, so uh, I I think with a lot of Hall of Fame voters now, a lot of these guys are getting bonus votes for just being nice to the media. That's what it seems like to be the general consensus. So I guess Scott Rowland was one hell of a guy that was probably handing out cigars and playing golf with media members on during his free time. But, yeah, when I saw that he made it, I was like, that's uh, that's a little bit surprising because there were a couple other guys on that list that I honestly thought were more deserving than Scott Rowland. But I, I guess the voters have this weird – rule where they want to keep certain guys off to let guys get in and let guys stay on the ballot. So the whole process is really weird. I don't it's understand lame. how one year, I don't understand how one year guys can have, you know, 20, 30% and then the next year they have 50 or 60%. Like, shouldn't, shouldn't it be like the same every year? Yeah, the, whole, the whole Hall of Fame voting process, it, it makes no sense. Yeah, especially and, in baseball. And just weak. let the, the PD guys in. Like, everybody was on PDs, let's be honest here. That's probably why Scott Rowland yeah. got in, because they were like, he never got busted. They're like, put him in. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, Balake, plug your stuff before we let you go. Thank you for the time, as always. Hey, no worries, guys. You guys can find me on Substack, Blake Harris, Thinking Blue. The podcast, Inside the Ravine, the episode with Ryan Pepio that George got to... Uh, release last week uh, you guys can uh, take a listen to that that was fun getting to talk with him and if you guys like college football you can find me uh harris highlights on youtube and the twitter handle brand new at blake h harris all right sounds good Wait a second. george one thing hold yeah. on yeah blake yes or no you coming or not on sunday to yamava it depends. It depends, Scott. Ah. Uh, my buddy and I, we have an early tea time on Sunday, Ooh. so it's a matter of uh, how quickly. The good thing is it's a par three, so it shouldn't take us too long, but we got an early Sunday a.m. tea time, so I'll see if I can make it for that noon game at the Yamaha. I'll see if I can convince them because all the promotion that Scott's been doing, it's making me really, really want to go. And uh, I'll also find someone there to make a wager with because I need some action on these games. <laughs> all right, there you go. All right, Balake, thank you, buddy. All right, you guys have a great weekend. See ya. Have a nice tea time. Nice weekend. Jeez, today is Thursday, isn't it? It is. God, I don't even know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. I don't know what planet I'm on. I'll tell you what time it is. It's time to go to break. Let's do it. How about that? Uh, Coming up next, Cappy, you asked for an interaction between Russell Westbrook and our friend Dan Wojcicki of the LA Times. That's right. Uh, But we're going to pit it against an interaction you had with Dave McMiniman yesterday. How about that? It's fine by me. All right, we'll do that all coming up next.